Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thine will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not in temptation. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. It's great for me to be back. I've been away for the last three weeks. Uh, you've had storms, I believe, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I just I kind of heard rumours, yeah, sitting in 28 degrees of sunshine by the pool or by the sea. It was tough, and I thought of you and laughed. Anyway, no, but now I'm back. Now I'm back, and I'm really, really glad uh, to be back. Um, thanks to the band for uh, leading us uh, as uh, we've been able to sing together. I think Ben's stall must have broken or something because he was standing up and drumming. Did any of you notice that? I know it's, he's a bit too big, isn't he, uh, to kind of fit under there. But anyway, um, uh, he did very well, did very well. Now, um, what we've just now seen uh, as that kind of launch into our, our series is the Lord's Prayer. Most of us, I guess, at some point will have said it, uh, whether it's at a wedding or at a funeral. Uh, in fact, I learnt the Lord's Prayer. It was the old-fashioned version of the Lord's Prayer, the these and thou's version. Um, uh, when I was at primary school, every Friday we would recite um, the Lord's Prayer. And so from a really, really young age, I got to uh, learn it. And I've grown up um, in church. I've grown up in a Christian family. And what's really interesting is that we never say it in church and, um, or very very rarely. Uh, certainly in the church that I, I grew up in, it was a brethren church. And so Anglicans said the Lord's Prayer uh, and brethren made it up as they went along kind of uh, thing. That was the way that seemed, prayer seemed to work as I, was, um, as I was growing up. But what's really interesting, as we look at this theme called pray, so many people pray. Whether they have a faith or not, in fact, the recent survey, 2018, uh, across the adult population, uh, it was over 50% of people prayed, but less than 50% of people would have a faith. Now, isn't that interesting? And that's the reason is, I think, it's because when stuff happens and it's out of our control, we will, we will reach out for anything that will help us in that situation. So whether we get, um, whether a, a relative is unwell and their life is coming to an end and uh, we don't know what to do, we'll pray and we'll ask God to come and intervene and do something. Or, or, or if we're in an exam and we haven't revised and we're looking at the paper and we think none of this makes sense, uh, we pray saying, God, open my eyes uh, to something. You know, whatever it is, when we find ourselves in a sticky situation, uh, it is almost a natural response to pray. 
So we're starting this, um, uh, this four-week series uh, on prayer, and I am really excited by the potential of what God might do in and through me, in and through you, and in and through us as a community. Because you see, prayer is one of those topics that, that lots of people, in a sense, there is a struggle over prayer. It's a struggle to get a handle on it. Many of us, you see, will have, uh, we will have success stories. Stories where um, uh, we prayed and we saw an answer to a prayer. You know, there were um, three religious leaders who had gathered together and they were talking at this interfaith event about prayer. Uh, And one of them, the Anglican, just said, it was amazing. He says, I was flying back from the USA and uh, we hit this incredible storm, uh, and uh, the you know, the plane was shaking. There was all of this turbulence, and he says, "And I and I just prayed." And he says, "It's within twenty meters of the aeroplane, it went calm, and we were able to land perfectly calmly." And the Catholic said, well, that's amazing because something very similar happened to me. He says, I was on this boat. There were these 18-foot waves. There was this incredible storm. And and honestly, we feared for our lives. And so I prayed. And 20 metres around the boat, it suddenly went like this mill pool and calm. And we were able to make our way to shore safely. And the Jewish rabbi said, you know what, your stories are extraordinary. It's very similar. He says, I was in the synagogue one Saturday, and as I stepped out, there was a bag on the side. And when I looked inside the bag, there was about 45,000 pounds in it. And I thought, I cannot touch it. I cannot touch it because it's the Sabbath. And so I prayed. And for 20 meters around the bag, it was Wednesday. Now, (laughs) see, some of us, Some of us do get to see answers to our prayers, don't we? All of us will have success stories. I I, I have a number that I would just be able to recite to you of people I've prayed for that have come to faith, of of situations that seem so desperate and yet somehow were turned around, at times when we have lacked something so much and yet somehow in a miraculous way, God's provided for us. I have stories of success. I'm sure that many of you will have those too. But secondly though, We will also have massive disappointments when prayers seemed to go unanswered or seemed to make no difference at all. And then also with prayer, lots of us have this hang-ups of guilt around it because, you know, I ought to pray more. And the difficulty is, is how much should you pray? When do you stop feeling guilty because you've prayed enough? You know, um, I went out to South Africa um, a number of years ago when we were first looking at our partnership with Hands at Work. It was um, my first trip out, I think it was 2008, and there was a conference in South Africa. And um, I went with my friend Leon Evans, and uh, we travelled together, we laughed together, had a great time. Uh, And I honestly thought we would be sharing a room together um, at at this conference, but we weren't. They'd um, split us up, uh, and I was in with a... um, Zimbabwean pastor, uh, a really nice guy. So I met him in the evening just as he went off to bed. Five o'clock in the morning, he shook me and said, told me that it was time to be um, uh, going for our two hours of prayer. Oh, to be honest, I just thought, I cannot believe this. And the, it, it was awful. Well, it should be really good, but it was awful. It was because I had to try and pretend to be 
religious and, you know, have to try and make it. And all I wanted to do was to go to sleep. Two hours was such a long time. And in talking with him, because I had to do that every day of the conference, um, uh, and in talking with him, do you know what he would say? He says, I don't pray enough. Well, if he doesn't pray enough, bloomin' heck, I am struggling. I really, you see, all of us can have these, these hang-ups of guilt around prayer. And to be honest, just in launching into this, I've had a kind of a mixed relationship when it comes to prayer. I've grown up in a Christian family. I've grown up going to church. And so I've grown up knowing that, that prayer is this conversation with our Heavenly Father. And it's a chance for me to express things to him and a chance for him to speak to me. I, I've known that. That's been part of the teaching and experience that I've had. I have lived with the benefit of people praying for me. You know, I would meet with people. Um, uh, they were nearly always in their 70s and 80s who would say, Steve, we pray for you every day. Honestly, that humbled me so much. And then when um, Sarah, my first wife, died, um, uh, a lady called Meg Jack promised that she would pray for Sam, Alice and Rachel every day. Uh, and she told me that she prayed that they would um, find their own faith, uh, that, that, uh, that they would really grow in faith. And secondly, that they would marry people who shared that same faith, who would motivate them and, and push them forward. Wow, every day praying for that. So I've known the benefit. I've been to some prayer events which have just, um, I've found so exhilarating, so powerful. Uh, and it's lifted my spirits and it's built my faith. Uh, and I've loved praying with different people. I've had various partners that we've walked and we've talked and we've prayed uh, together. And I felt close to God and I've seen God at work. I've learnt to pray before meals, pray before bed, pray in church, pray out loud, pray with others. I have heard great stories of faith where people have talked about their prayers being answered. So it kind of sounds good, doesn't it? The problem is that there is a flip to all of that. Because often my prayers have been incredibly one-sided conversations when I haven't heard anything from God and it's just me doing the talking. I've gone to prayer meetings and been bored out of my brains. I've, I've tried praying and my mind wanders all over the place. I've lacked creativity because I've just sat in a chair and tried to pray. I've lacked power. Sometimes people have actually asked me to stop praying because their situation got worse when I started praying for them. That's unusual, isn't it? But honestly, they have. They've said, can you stop praying now? Do you know, I've been disappointed when prayers haven't been answered in the way that I've wanted them to. And to be honest, there are times when prayer becomes a little tick box that I'll say, well, I'll pray for you. And I say a little sentence prayer at the time and think, good, I've done that one. And so prayer, it's, it's this mishmash of stuff for me that at times I struggle and at times I fly with it. And yet I know that prayer is so much more than that. And honestly, I am hungry to discover it. So over these four weeks, we're going to look at why we should pray looking at a dangerous prayer of how we should pray, what happens when God stays quiet, and how we can pray big prayers and keep those prayers going. 
We are basing each of these talks um, also linking in with some books. Some books are going to come up um, here. Um, these are the four books. If you want to purchase them, obviously you can go to Amazon and to do that. But as, um, uh, uh, as the church, we've bought about 10 copies of each of these. And so if any of you are interested, you'll be able to let us know and we will um, uh, get them uh, to you. But today's one is just a book which is entitled Red Moon Rising. And it's an incredible story of prayer and of faith. And it's about a remarkable prayer movement that has taken place over the last 20 years, basically since 1999 um, here in the UK. Uh, and it's through a guy called um, Pete Gregg. Pete Gregg is the person who's doing the prayer course. And he had an encounter with God, and um, as he was praying, uh, one time, and something stirred within him, and he believed that God was calling them to start a prayer movement, but it was a prayer movement with a difference. It was to be able to create rooms or meeting places that were incredibly creative in the approach that they would take. And so people would be able to sign up for an hour and there would be all kinds of activities within this prayer room that people would be able to talk with God, spend time with God, rest in God, ask God. And what happened was this, is that it was young people who started to get involved in this. People in their teens and in their 20s. And they started to set up these prayer rooms where people would pray 24-7. In other words, one person would sign up for an hour and they'd spend their hour in the prayer room. And when that hour came to an end, someone else would arrive. And so they would have this constant prayer taking place 24-7. And they initially started it for a week and then stretched it to a month. And then it went to a year. And then it started to spread into other parts of the country and into Europe and into America. And now this is a worldwide movement. And Basically, this Red Moon Rising book is the story of how God initiated that and what he's done through it. It says this, that we launched the first prayer room in a warehouse on the south coast of England way back in 1999. Why? Well, prayer prayer's pretty much at the heart of everything else in the Christian life. And secondly, we were really, really bad at it. <laughs> I liked their honesty uh, with it. And it writes, he writes how it took off with young people, with punks, with goths. And um, people were coming in off the streets to be a part of this prayer movement. Some of them weren't Christians and in coming in, they became Christians within these prayer rooms. And it was always the case of linking it then with action. So it wasn't just the case of come in, be holy, and out you go and carry on as before. It always led to something new or something different happening. So I remember... Um, a guy called Brian Heasley, he came to speak at um, this church when we were back in Mendelsham about a month before he headed out to Ibiza to establish the prayer room out in Ibiza. Uh, and there young people would come, they would gather, they would pray, and then they would go out. And so while there was partying and clubbing uh, going on, they would go out to make sure that people could get home safely. Uh, and when they were sick uh, uh, through drink and drugs and stuff, they would pray over them and they would pray for them. Uh, and it was this work, this amazing work that was taking place, that it was never just for them, it was never just to feel good, it was always an outworking into the community. These prayer rooms have gone global. 
And as this was getting established, different people spoke into the life of Pete Gregg as he was exploring what this meant. And one of those guys was a guy called John Dawson. And John Dawson is an author, but he's also a peacemaker and gets involved with, with peacework all around the world. And uh, he managed to, uh, Pete Gregg managed to have a conversation with him. And, uh, and what um, John Dawson said was brilliant. He wrote this, everyone prays, even non-Christians pray. The difference when Christians do it is that they are climbing into the lap of their heavenly father. When I read that, being a dad, I pictured what life was like. Sam, who was up here on stage, very rarely sits on my lap, fortunately, nowadays. Uh, but when he and Alice and Rachel were much younger and they might come in from school, uh, that if I was at home at the time, uh, they would come up and we would sit down and they would sit on my lap and they would tell me what they'd been doing that day. And they would tell me who had been unkind to them. And they would show me what they had done. Uh, and, uh, and they would just talk generally uh, about life and stuff. And as a dad, I loved it. Because there they were, sitting on my knee, just sharing their life with me. And there were times when I'd be able to say, okay, now you need to go and do this. Or you need to go and find a book because we need to do your reading homework. Or you need to go and help set the table. Uh, and there would be directions from that. But there would be this special time when I would just love it. And as I read these words of John Dawson, for me, it switched something in my brain with regards to how God views it when we come and spend time with him. That as a heavenly dad, he just loves your company of sitting in his lap and saying, God, this was my day today. God, this is what's going on. This is what's troubling me. Have you seen what I did there? I did really well there, didn't I? And God loves it because he's our heavenly father. And I am a weak representation of the amazing love that our heavenly father has for us with regards to me and my children. And do you know what? Whether they've been good or bad, I was still so proud of them. I'm less proud of my son now. But, I, but um, no, I am really. Uh, I, I was so proud of them. And to think that God loves it when we come to sit in his lap and just say, God, this is, this is me. Let me tell you about what's happening. Now, lots of what the kids shared I knew already. But I just loved it. It's what God longs for us. It changes what prayer is about when, it, when it's about climbing into the lap of my heavenly father. He goes on to say this, because if that's what prayer is, then I want it. Yeah? See, because some of you will be mums and dads and you'll have had your kids sitting on your laps. So you will know exactly what I feel. And some of you will have had parents who did that and you just love to be able to sit in their lap and talk to them. And some of you who didn't, you long for it. You long for it because you've missed out on it. And God is saying, you can find that in me. You can find it in me. He goes on to say this. It's a place where we can experience peace so that we can make peace later. It's a place where we can receive our Father's acceptance so that we can love even those who laugh at us later in the day. Loved that quote. Do you notice, I've just highlighted look, that we can experience peace 
that somehow it seems safer, life seems safer when we're sitting in the lap of God, our Heavenly Father. And to know his acceptance is amazing. But do you see, I've highlighted just the yellow sections there. So that, so that. This is so important. It's that we benefit from a relationship with our Heavenly Father so that we can then make a difference. Prayer isn't about having a fuzzy feeling just so that we feel good. It's always about then becoming the prayer. In fact, another guy said just that, a guy called Brennan Manning, who's um, an author. He spent time with all kinds of um, ragamuffins. I think that was one of the books that he wrote. It's all kinds of um, people with messed up lives. And he said this, prayer is not primarily about changing things somewhere out there. It's first and foremost about changing something in here as he patted his chest. The most powerful thing that can happen in the place of prayer is that you yourself become the prayer. You leave the prayer room as Jesus' hands and feet. If you want to know why prayer is important, all we have to do is to look at the life of Jesus. Jesus, who is God here on earth. Jesus still established time when he just wanted to be with his father. And so Luke, in fact, I've just put up four verses, but these are only um, uh, uh, four. There are so many. When it talks about the importance that Jesus uh, made on this prayer, I don't think Jesus found this boring. Because Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. That Jesus went up to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. Maybe that's going past five o'clock in the morning. I don't know. But maybe he's even more spiritual than a Zimbabwean pastor. I don't know. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. That's when the disciples heard him and they say, you pray different. Tell us, how do you do it? How do you pray different? And that's where Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives He withdrew and he knelt down and he prayed. Jesus modelled something for you and me that if we capture it, it can revolutionise or, as we were singing earlier, resurrect something in our lives when it comes to a relationship with God. It can resurrect, it can bring it back to life. You know, there are times when honestly it just feels like I go through the motions on stuff. And I desperately long for an intimacy. It can happen, can't it, in any kind of relationship. You just almost take it for granted and nothing much happens. And then you suddenly realise, this is drifting, we need to pull it back. I tell you, prayer is the way to pull it back. Prayer is the way to pull it back. And Jesus modelled that so that I can grow in my relationship with my Heavenly Father. So, just very quickly, to answer the question, why pray? Prayer is never an end in itself. It isn't. It's it's a gift. It's a tool. It's a communication way that God, a gift that God has given to us. Because why pray? Because ultimately, it's all about relationship. It's not about God. Will you do this? God, will you do that? Ultimately, prayer is about relationship. Nikki Gumbel, who um, leads the Alpha um, uh, courses and. a brilliant communicator. He says this on Alpha. So for those of you who are doing Alpha, um, you're going to hear this uh, again in a few weeks' time. He says this, prayer is the most important activity in your life. It's the very purpose for which you were created because you were created to have a relationship with God. 
And how do you communicate in this relationship? It's by prayer. And it doesn't have to be a one-way conversation either. Because sometimes when we, when we rest in God, when we pray, God envisions us. God speaks to us. God gives us things to say to other people. He nudges us to act on things. And through investing in the relationship through prayer, this becomes common. And honestly, it's so exciting. I've loved it when I've just had the chance to pray with people and all of a sudden something drops into my mind which says, this is for this person. And I share it and I say, look, I might have made it up, I don't know, but this is what I think God is saying. And just being able to pass that on in a timely way, so exciting when God is able to use us. So one, why pray? If you forget everything else, it's that. It's a relationship. God wants a relationship with us. And for that, it's to spend time with him and to talk with him. But also why pray? Honestly, it is reliance. You and I, we love to be in control and to orchestrate things ourselves. We do. So when something bad happens, I'll always try and sort it out. And naturally, that's what we do. And what prayer does, though, prayer is this reminder that actually, ultimately, there are some things that you and I will never be able to soar. And we just have to rely on God. That we are not in control. That we can't fix it. That we need God. The posture for prayer is really interesting, isn't it? Because you hear people talking about kneeling to pray. Or, 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 or raising their hands or putting their hands out like this to pray. We close our eyes or we put our hands together. All of those are kind of submissive postures. Why? It's because we're saying, God, I can't do this anymore. God, I need you. Why pray? It's reliance. Thirdly, why pray? It's to see God's kingdom come. So may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You and I are involved in a battle. We're involved in a broken world and prayer is the part that we can play to fight, to see our world being pulled back together again. It's to see God's kingdom, God's perfect, where God reigns, there's peace, where God reigns, there's wholeness. That's what we want to see happening. So when you see people ill, you think, I want to pray because I want to see God doing his work in this situation. And why else would we pray? We pray because God acts in response to prayer. It is so important for you and I to know that this is not a closed universe where everything is all sorted it's all, and nothing else will change. That is not how God has created our world. God acts. In fact, God changes his mind as a result of people praying. Do you realise that? That you can change God's mind over something through prayer. It's happened. You, you, it accounts in the Bible where that happened. A man called Hezekiah, who was a king. He was one of the good kings of, uh, of Israel. And um, after this amazing battle that God had won, he was struck with an illness. And God, through the prophet Isaiah, told him that he was not going to recover. So he had to get his house in order because he was soon going to die. And Hezekiah... It says that he turned to the wall and he started praying. And in anguish, he called out to God and says, God, I have, I have tried to be faithful to you for the whole of my life and, and, and in leading. And as he cried out to God, God heard his prayer. 
And Isaiah, who had delivered the message, was walking across the courtyard after delivering it when God stopped him, says he need to go back and tell him, it's okay, I'm going to preserve his life. I've changed my mind. And so Isaiah went back. Here we go. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I, here it comes. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. So I will heal you. I will add 15 years to your life. God changed his mind through Hezekiah praying. It's as if God chooses to let us play a part in what he's choosing to do. And honestly, God listens to our prayers. Sometimes he doesn't feel like it, but he does. And our prayers do make a difference. Sometimes we need to keep persevering and not give up. Look, during this series... We want to make or want to create opportunities for you and I to grow in confidence in prayer, to deepen our our prayer life and deepen our relationship with God so that we're empowered by God's Holy Spirit. In this book, it's called Red Moon Rising and it's kind of an intriguing title. And it's so named uh, because when they were launching Uh, nationally, these prayer rooms. Uh, Pete Gregg was in his car and he was driving to an event and it was at the time when there was a full moon. But it wasn't just one of those normal full moons, it was one of those um, uh, blood moons uh, where somehow through the environment um, there is, uh, it changes the colour of the moon. We've had some over this last year. And as he was driving, he thought, there's a There's some verses in the Bible about this. And these were the verses that he focused on. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. They'll be able to speak truth into situations. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I'll let you choose which category you're in on those ones. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, he sensed that God was going to, through these verses, God was going to pour out his spirit on the younger generation. And I was thinking just as I finished and getting ready for um, uh, today, how exciting would that be? Perhaps you've already started to see a little glimpse of that through a revolution week where 10 youngsters make a commitment to follow Jesus. What would it look like if our young people had visions for what God wanted to do in our communities and in our country? And what would it be for us older people to still have dreams of what God might be wanting to do? I was, as I said at the beginning, I was on holiday in, um, in New Zealand and Sarah and I went to Hobbiton. It's a fantastic place. Hobbiton is where they filmed the Shire in The Lord of the Rings and, uh, uh, it's, uh, and The Hobbit too. And so you could go around the film set of, of the Shire and it was beautiful. It was so, so good. And it was the setting for where Frodo is given the ring uh, from Bilbo Baggins, because Bilbo Baggins dies. And he and Samwise Ganji have to um, go and uh, destroy the ring. And what they have to do for that to happen is they have to leave the security of the Shire 
in order to experience the most amazing adventure. And it gets to a certain point early on in the film, and as they're traveling, uh, and Samwise Ganji just says this, he says, this is it. He says, if I take one more step, it will be the farthest away from home that I've ever been. And you see him take the step, and they make their way out of the Shire into the adventure that lay before them. I think, I think that God has an adventure for you and for me. And that adventure involves seeing a new, fresh expression of what prayer can be in your life and in my life, of this intimacy of sitting in the lap of our Heavenly Father. And of God wanting to do, not just through me and you as individuals, but God doing something in and through us as a community. And I think he wants to stretch us. So I want to encourage you, if you're part of a 10-month group, do the prayer course. Cancel what you have been doing and do the prayer course. And don't just go through doing the material. Put it into practice. Push yourself. Take steps beyond what you've done before. And to see where that will lead you. And honestly, I believe God could stir and do something extraordinary within the life of this church, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of Debenham and I and Thurston and our workplaces and and the, the wider community. Honestly, I do. That God has an adventure out there for you and me. But it means leaving the safety of what we've known and to run after the adventure God has for us. I want us to show you uh, one lady's experience of prayer, and that's Nettie Wilden. She's uh, part of our Thurston congregation. And she, um, yeah, has come to discover that prayer is so much more than what she thought that it was. But can I just say, with these two things here, we have a chance this month to experience something new and to move into the adventure. The 24 prayer space that we've got at the office, uh, which starts on the 23rd, you can sign up for an hour, you can sign up for more than that if you want, but we want to fill the whole week with continuous prayer throughout that time. It's going to be a creative space, we'll tell you more, and also the prayer course. Have a listen to Nettie. The last year um, for us as a family has been incredibly eventful. At the beginning of last year, Jez um, accepted a job over in Saudi Arabia after lots of thought, discussion. The idea was for us to go out, so he would go out first and then we'd go and join him about three months later. Go out there and live for a couple of years as a family. It was a huge decision, um, one we really didn't make lightly. But once we had made that decision, we were all on board and all really excited. He went out there and it soon became apparent that things hadn't been sold to us um, in an accurate way. And long story short, by August time, we found out that actually me and the girls wouldn't be able to go out and join him. And that was a huge, Um, huge wrench as a family because we found ourselves living on different continents which wasn't something we'd ever planned the girls were missing their dad I was missing my husband Um, Jez was missing all of us 
the circumstances were all dictating that we weren't going to be together anytime soon. So that's what I was praying for, a miracle to happen. I think it's fair to say that Jez and I were both quite stagnant in our faith at the beginning. We were going through the motions, we were serving, we were going to church. There wasn't much praying. There wasn't much um, Bible study. We were just kind of going through the motions, really. At the beginning of the year, there was prayer around whether to go. Then when we made that decision to go, and Jez went, and then we had the news that, or the first inklings of news that it wasn't gonna go, then I started to pray. And I was praying and praying and praying, literally on my knees. Lord, get us back together, please. You know, let, make this happen. You, you are able to do miracles. You are able to make this happen. Very early on, I had a, um, I, I heard God say to me, trust me in the silence. By the time August came, we found out then, no. It was a definite no. Me and the girls weren't going to be going out to join Jez. So from April to August, it had been hope constantly. By August, we found out it wasn't. And my world just, I could not understand where God was in it all because I'd spent the last four months, five months, praying, 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 trusting, trusting, trusting. Um, and it was a really, really difficult time. And I went through a really dark time around that time. I looked to God and I asked him to show us, show me how to pray. Because it didn't seem as though my prayers had been working. Everything that I prayed for hadn't happened, so what do I do now? I think that was what I struggled with. What do I now pray for? Because what we wanted isn't gonna happen. And that is the key, I think that's been the key in my prayer journey, has been learning to rejoice to thank him for everything that he's done, everything that he is doing, but also focusing on him. So through prayer, I've now started to focus more on God, read so many books, started reading the Bible again, and just learning more about God and being excited by God and excited by who he is. And through that, just rediscovering a joy and a peace I haven't had for years, if I've ever had, but I found myself Rather than asking that God would sort sound and that there would be a miracle, I mean, I did throw that in every now and again, but it was mainly, take me deeper with you. So I think for me, prayer, the last 12 months, has, has been a real journey, and it's changed from being a means of getting things that I want to rediscovering God. I think the last year has taught us both to focus not on our circumstances, literally not on our circumstances, but to focus on God more. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.